are listening to Let's Think On It, featuring Dr. Mark Westfall. Welcome back. You're listening to Let's Think On It. Uh, today we have a guest, Fred Shepard, who is uh, chairman of the Political Science Department at Sanford University, and he's talking to us currently about, we've been talking about the Brexit phenomenon going on. You spent a few months over there uh, in the spring, right, as all this was going on, and it uh, sounds like a pretty, uh, it must have been a really exciting time for someone in political science. Yeah, one of the interesting things, too, um, I tended to read The Guardian and The, and the Times, <coughs> and they're two really fine newspapers, but one of the big parts of why why the Brexit, uh, the, the leave succeeded was the, the tabloid stuff. So there was a ton of extremely anti-Remain, anti pro-Leave um, uh, news coverage from the tabloid newspapers. Um, I, I didn't read those much, but you, could, you were there and you just got all this sense of this kind of huge blaring headlines talking about how important it was that they leave and how awful the EU was. So was there, with the citizens, kind of not even that much of a knowledge of what leaving the EU yeah. would mean it, it was more like tabloid yep. messaging. So there was this. This got a lot of play in the U.S. But the night after the night after the vote for leaving succeeded, the number one by a mile Googled item was "What is the EU and what is Brexit?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Britain, so there was oh, clearly, clearly some. And over I, there, yeah, over there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, hey, by the way, what did we just do? Yeah. Uh, look it up. And one of the kind of poignant examples of that is this guy Boris Johnson, who um, was the mayor of London. He's a very kind of flamboyant. I wouldn't say he's quite like Trump. He's a little more socially liberal than Trump, but he has some kind of. Trumpish uh, features to him. Uh, he was the main guy supporting it. Um, he just decided. It, he and David Cameron, these two very posh guys, went to Eton together, the very, very uh, elite, elite uh, high school there. Uh, and they were buddies in Eton, and it was just betrayal. Johnson went for uh, Brexit. And right after it went through, then there was all this shuffling, and Johnson didn't know what to do. And another guy in the cabinet announced he was going to run for prime minister. There was, there was this big expectation that Johnson was going to do it. Johnson just hadn't even thought about what was going to happen after, after. Brexit, even though he was a number one uh, spokesperson for it, which I kind of think kind of reflected the whole pro-Brexit thing. Yeah. It was really a surprise. I mean, yeah. it took everyone by surprise, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. So what is the effect, essentially, um, maybe we could spend a couple minutes on the EU and, yep. you know, the basics of that, and then because that's what they're pulling out of. Right. And then, what are the ramifications of that to the EU and to the you know the the um, the US? Yeah. So EU, they lose one of the most important members, one of the three or four most important members uh, of the EU. Now, Britain had not been part of the euro, the currency. They never joined in on that. Never joined in that currency. So you're still still going to be pounds. So that's mm-hmm. not a change. Um, but they had been part of the EU. Which um, started about when? Well, in some ways it started the, the day after World War II. Okay. Because there was just this um, immediate sense that 
we can't let this happen again, and we've got to become much more economic. At first it was economically more closely integrated, because c countries that are economically closely integrated, that trade with each other and all that, are much less likely to go to war. So, like, there was stuff with steel and coal and all that, and the names, the name kept changing, too. Um, but uh, there was big moments in, like, 1992 where there was a treaty. Um, with the currency, that kicked in. That brought everything closer. So it's been step by step mm -hmm. by step. If I'm, I did a little bit of research, which can be dangerous, but Britain didn't enter until... 60s or 70s, 70s. Yeah. yeah, and they actually didn't make it in the first time around. Like, right, there was they, Charles de Gaulle, something. the arrogant, kind of chauvinistic, arrogant French guy, Charles de Gaulle, who, who was a very important figure during World War II and after, didn't let them in at first. The British and the French, like, hate each other. And one of the things that you hear now, just man-on-the-street conversations, is that we're leaving because the British follow the rules and the French don't. So... You know, we're gone because no one else follows the rules. Yeah, but so, so the French-British thing kept the, Brit the British from going wow. in until the 1970s. Hmm. So, um, okay. hope so, that answers that question. Yeah, it does answer the question. So, what are some what are the ramifications right. uh, potentially? So, the uh, economic ram ramifications are important because this is a big country with a big economy. Um, that's well, who knows what's going to happen? So, you asked me the ramifications. One, one of my answers is, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? They might not even do it. Um, and and it might like be two a... two years or something? They've got two years. Um, I, I just heard someone say it might take six years for everything to happen. So mm -hmm. you lose a big, big economy, right, at the heart of, of the e EU. Um, then what does Britain do? Does Britain... Uh, do what a country like Norway does. They stay in the market, but they're not in the EU. They might do that. Um, well, what do you mean by in the market, but not in the EU? They keep getting access to all those other economies through some arrangement that's not quite like the EU, but it's effectively, they stay they, in the They market. use like a free trade zone, right? Yeah, it would be a, a bit more like NAF, North American Free Trade Agreement yeah, yeah. type of thing. Okay. Um, that might be what happens, but they would have to do that. It would take a long time to set that up. So economically, it's you lose a big country, and who knows what happens. Politically, it's it, it what's really going to be interesting is what other countries do. If it starts kind of a yeah cascade, an avalanche or a cascade, okay. or whatever you want to call it. Well, I have a general question. This mm -hmm. might you know help listeners as well. Yeah. Why? What are the reasons that citizens wanted to leave in the first place? Were they not receiving the benefits that they were supposed to be getting or didn't, like, see enough of it to feel like being in the EU was worth it? Or, like, what, what were some of the reasons? A lot of it boils down to a very badly run campaign by the Remain group to tell citizens what they were getting from the EU. Hmm. Um, so the EU was... Wait, are you saying it was not correct? Like, what they um, were telling them? Yeah, back to the press coverage and all that. There was just a whole lot of propaganda, mm. and it really fed into the British suspicion of the rest of Europe. Um, so they felt like too many decisions were being made by bureaucrats in Brussels, which is where the EU is sort of headquartered. Um, and so, and it is true. For instance, you know, laws on sexual harassment in the workplace. Those laws are, they come from Brussels. Um, they affect Britain. 
And they affect so like cultural, <clears throat> yeah. culturally it's a lot different. So some, I mean, essentially it affected their, it, being belonging to the EU affects their political, yeah. I mean, yeah. their, their, their laws. It's sort of a hodgepodge. Yeah. Some laws are, are very much British and other laws come from Brussels. Okay. Um, there's like a human rights court and a lot of human rights laws come from Brussels. So protecting minorities, protecting women, uh, freedom of press, that type of thing. A lot of that comes from Brussels. And they're laws that you can go to jail for. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. So people feel like, oh, Brussels is making too much. Mm -hmm. There's also the idea... That had to be hard for a country like yeah. Britain, who's been... An empire? Since, what, yeah. a thousand? Yeah. 1066 was yeah, the last... They're, they're, an over they're an island. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, it was way blown up. Okay. Um, and there was very little um, successful effort by the Remain campaign to talk about all the money that was coming into Britain. Um, and what they were, what the EU was good about was getting money to, to areas that had been neglected. And ironically, the government in London was not very good at getting like the north, northern and central areas England. of Britain that were neglected or areas of the EU that were neglected? Sorry, areas of Britain. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, so there's like northern England, which is considered very hard hit. It's a little bit like Cleveland and Detroit. Okay. Um, these areas were not doing very well. Um, and the EU was really good at getting them resources to help them revitalize. Um, the Remain campaign didn't bring that up at all. Hmm. So, um, so another thing is, is a lot of money went from the British taxpayer to the EU. So that's something that British okay. taxpayers... Um, but the man on the street, you know, we were talking about Oxford and all that. Um, people in Oxford, people in London, people up in Edinburgh um, were all for Remain. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but they were solidly Remain. You know, the bus driver that comes, picks, picks you up and lives in a suburb of London, hates all for Brexit. The farmer you bump into in, mm -hmm. in uh, central Britain, all for Brexit. So it's so a man on the street kind of thing. Much more. For it, was kind of, it sounds like it was kind of a nationalistic feel, like a yeah. like a you know a patriotic type of thing. We, we yeah. Remain. Is that a down is that with what the they, is that what they big kind rich of, folks? Yeah. And yeah. one thing we haven't talked about that was really important was immigration. I was wondering about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a it was like a kind of a, almost a symbolic swipe at the rich folks, but I don't think it was a really a meaningful anti-rich thing. And class in in Britain, from when I was there for the very short time, it seems like it's, you can feel it a lot more than you do here, or it like means a lot more to be in a certain class yeah. than it does here. Yep. Is, I, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so a lot of this goes back in history. Class positions were much, much more clearly defined, you know, whether you're watching Downton Abbey or something right. else, uh, much, much more clearly defined. That's changed a bit. Um, as Britain's become much more modern and the cities have become more important and all that. But people still feel very much part of a class. Yeah, it feels like they like take it on as an identity yeah. at some point. And it used to be the case um, the Labour Party was the working class party and the Conservatives or the Tories were the middle, upper middle, upper mm -hmm. class party. That's gotten much more fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And this vote's really interesting because it kind of did a lot of funny things with class. So it wasn't quite so clear it's as far as the typical lines. Yeah, and that's partly because you had both the Labour Party and the Conservative Party split. They're both split on it. 
So you didn't have the parties as sort of guidance. So that's interesting. So the issue actually split both yeah, parties. Both parties. And both parties. Usually parties are split on an issue. This, that's right. This issue split the parties. And, and, and both parties now are just in chaos wow. uh, because of it. So I tell you, let's take another break. Okay. When we come back, we'll maybe touch on the immigration part and figure out okay. how this affects others, including us. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio. 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter, at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>